Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. One of the things that energizes our teams the most is being able to hear stories of lives that are impacted by this ministry. We would love for you to share your story with us by emailing it to stories at newcommunity.co or maybe your next step to getting connected to what God is doing in this ministry is partnering with us financially. You can do that online at www.newcommunity.co or through the PushPay app and find the giving option that works best for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, NCC. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? How many of you guys during that game show, you were like, I knew most of those songs. I should have been up there. Okay, a few of you guys, you may have gotten some of those. Well, we are in this series called Soundtrack. And before we jump into the message today, if you're our guest, I want to start by introducing myself. My name is Aaron. And I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church and been here about three years. We are a church that is passionate about making people and places new. And um, we're excited that you're worshiping here with us this morning. We're in this series, as I mentioned, called Soundtrack. And we've been walking through God's word together. We started in the book of Genesis um, at the very beginning in September. And um, this series, we're spending time in what's known as the wisdom books. And looking at some of these powerful songs, music has a way of moving us and creating emotion in us. And so we're looking at some of the songs in the Word of God and songs that um, talk about um, our relationship with God, our relationship with other people, some of these powerful lyrics in the Word of God that are challenging. And so I know this morning's going to be good as we continue that. Every week we're looking for ways to take it beyond Sunday morning. And so this is our playlist this week. We're going to be talking about relationships and God's design for our relationships. And so it's going to be a great way um, for you to just kind of keep this in front of you throughout the week, what God wants to speak to you about. And as we jump into the message today, I just want to say a few things to kind of start off with. The first is we're going to be talking about um, God's design for our sexuality. So I know sometimes we have some younger kids in here. I want to assure you as parents where it's not going to be graphic or anything over like in that way, but we are going to be intentional in the conversations that we have this morning. And if that may be a little bit too much for your little one, um, we have some great kids classrooms that you can sneak into really quick and check your kids in, but then come right back in here because you're not going to want to miss out on that. But we want to have intentional conversations this morning about what God's word says about relationships. The second thing is you may be here this morning and um, maybe you're saying, well, I'm not married or I'm not in a relationship. Um, maybe you're single, maybe you're gonna be married one day or um, you've been divorced, you're not with someone right now or maybe your spouse has passed away. This message is for you, okay? It's for every single one of us. Um, first off, if you're someone that's saying, hey, I do want to be married, I feel like that's something God has in my future, you don't need to wait until you get in a relationship. Students, I'm talking to you, okay? Those good habits don't happen when you enter into a relationship. It's the mindset that you're building right now. It's the foundation in God's word right now. Things that you're understanding from God's word that are going to make your future relationship successful, a future marriage successful because of what you understand God's word in saying. The second thing for all of us to understand is this, is this morning's message isn't just about what we'll take away. It's about what God can use to speak through us. And if you just take a moment, you don't even have to look that far, and you look at the world around us, it is extremely broken. And the world around us is confused when it comes to the issues of sexuality. And this morning, what God says to you in this message may not only be for your life, how you can apply it, it may be for that coworker. 
students. It may be for that classmate or that peer um, that you sit in that classroom with. It may be for other people that God wants to take his word this morning and use it through you to minister to other people. And so I want to challenge you this morning's message. It is for everyone, not just for a small group of people, but we're going to allow God to speak to us through his word. Now, I have the privilege of sharing the stage this morning with my beautiful wife. So if you guys would put your hands together as she makes her way forward. And Sarah, I'm up here every single week telling crazy stories about my life and what it was like for me and things from my perspective. But um, many times the church doesn't get to hear from you. So maybe just take a second and before we jump into the message and just um, share a little bit about your past um, and kind of you growing up. Yes. Yeah, so hi, how's everybody doing? This is a two-way conversation. I like it when I hear about it. I'm a teacher by nature, so... Um, uh, my name is Sarah. I grew up in a pastor's home. Uh, my my uh, family was a big family. I have four sisters. That's so the middle child. Any other middle children in the room? Yeah, I feel your pain. We're a special group. Uh, the middle of five blonde daughters um, of a pastor, all stuffed into a little three-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath house attached to a church. Uh, and then whenever I was in sixth grade, my dad actually left the ministry. Um, we had just a rough history in church, honestly. Um, and uh, he succumbed to a drug addiction, and my mom went to work full-time, and my life shifted dramatically in a very short amount of time. So I was raised in church for the first little bit of my life, and then um, was away from church while, uh, from about six to really about college age, sixth grade to college age. And uh, during that time, I had a rough history. I mean, I was trying to figure out what, the, what was true and what uh, was going on around me. And I had a broken relationship with my father, which obviously affected my relationship with other people in my life. And I had, um, as we're talking about love and relationships and sexuality, I had a lot of struggles and a lot of things that I had to deal with and some rough things I had to work through. Um, but I came to a point in my life in my senior year where I was like, all right, I'm, I'm just done. Like, I'm, I'm done. And um, I said, all right, God, I wasn't even going to church. I just said, if you want to do something with me, I'll, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And he said, go to Texas to go to a Bible college. <laughs> I was like, anything but that I'll do. <clears throat> because I'd seen my parents experience ministry, and I just didn't know if that was the life that I wanted, but it was the life God had called me to. And so I got to, got to Southwestern Assemblies of God University in Waxhatch, Texas, and my first weekend, I met this guy over here. He kept beating me in New Testament theology in every single test. And I'd like study my heart out. And the next day, I'd get an 85, and he got like a 98. And he's like, I cannot believe I missed that one question. I'm like, shut up. You didn't even study. <laughs> he just knew scripture, and I was drawn to him. He was different, different than any guy I'd ever known when everyone else came in to hang out and just um, lay around and be lazy in the lobby. He'd walk, he'd walk out the front door and I wanted to see where he'd go and he'd walk and pray and walk and pray. And so we got to know each other pretty well and we're pretty inseparable after yeah. uh, that spring semester and got married between our sophomore and junior years of college at the ripe ages of 19 and 20. And yeah, we were crazy. Uh, we were so poor and so happy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we had kids pretty much right away and now are blessed with eight. Yep, some sitting back there. And uh, God's just been really faithful to us over the years. We've had, you know, good times. We've had bad times. We've been married 18 years yeah. now. Does not seem real. Our oldest is about to graduate from high school. I'm in denial. Um, so... 
you uh, will see me quite weepy in May and June. Just give me a great big hug. I'll, I'll appreciate it. So, yeah, through all those years and through our history, the history Aaron had and that I brought to the table, um, God was just good enough to bring along some really awesome people to speak into our lives and encourage us and mentor us and um, walk me through even healing um, and getting ready for the awesome ministry calling that God had on my life. So. Yeah. And so we did. We had some great people that spoke into our lives about what love should look like, about what marriage should look like. And as we were talking about this, I think so many times the church in general, I say, you know, the church in general, we miss this topic. And so we've let our voice be silent as the church. And we thought, you know, sex isn't something that you talk about in church. That's just weird. That's awkward. And so we've not said anything. And over the course of decades of being silent, the world has risen up around us and they've defined sexuality for us. Because the church would not be vocal on this issue, the world said, okay, we're gonna define it. And when we look at the world's definition, there's a lot of brokenness surrounding that. There's a lot of confusion surrounding that. And so we wanna go back to the word of God and we wanna see what God's word says about sexuality and what God means for us whenever he's looking at that. Yeah, and when we were talking about preparing for this message, I said, you know, what's sad to me is most of the time what the church is known for when speaking about sexuality is what it is not. We're great about what can't happen. We're great about, you know, sharing about these, the rules and, and the things, but oftentimes we don't talk about what sexuality, love, and relationships were designed to be because they were designed by God and we find them in God's word. And so we have a clear definition God's given for us. Sometimes we just struggle to actually teach that, to walk that out and define that um, through our lives. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to go to the foundation for our truth, which is the word of God, and we're going to see what God has to say about it. So if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in the book of Song of Solomon, If you don't have your Bible, it's on page 323 um, in the Bible there in the seat in front of you. And so you can flip there, hold on to that for just a moment. And we're going to spend some time kind of talking through this idea. Now, this book, Song of Solomon, it is a song, okay? So before there were any 80 love ballads, you guys, there was this book, okay? This was the original love song in the Bible. And it's this beautiful picture between this king named King Solomon. We talked a little bit about him last week. He wrote the book of Proverbs and this young maiden. We're not given a lot of background on her, but King Solomon is in love with her. She's in love with him. They're pursuing one another. And and we see this beautiful picture of love and of what it is. So that's kind of a little bit about the book. Now, Oftentimes, in the past, once again, the church not wanting to talk about sex or anything like that, they've said, well, this is just an allegory, okay? This is just kind of this illustration. It's God kind of giving us a picture of his love. And although we see parts of that in this book, that is not only what this book is. This book is about God's design for a man and a woman to be in relationship together, to be married, what love should look like in the confines of that relationship, okay? There are, there's language in here that is sexual language, okay? They're talking about that physical attraction, how they love one another, how they want to be together with one another. That's in here. It's not only a picture of God's love for us. It's a picture of a man and woman in marriage together as God designed it to be. And just like Proverbs is this gift of God to us with wisdom, We talked about that last week. Song of Solomon is this gift of God for us as it comes to love. So it's this beautiful picture of love. And that's what we're going to see as we start to see these. And so in chapter one, we see this. One of the first points that comes up is this idea. And this is what we're going to talk about. Respect the sex by putting love first. 
okay? want you to get that. Respect the sex by putting love first. Now, we're not only talking about sex, a physical act. We're talking about sex like the person that God has given you, a man and a woman uh, together, so respecting one another. And this is what we see in this language as Solomon's writing this as this young maiden. It says this um, in chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. He brought me to the banqueting house. His banner over me was love. He sustained me with raisins and refreshed me with apples, for I am sick with love. If you go down and flip over a couple pages, chapter 5, verse 16, you can write this down and look at it later. This is my beloved. This is my friend. So you see this. It it doesn't just start with the physical attraction. There's actually this love that Solomon as the man has with this woman. They love one another. They're pursuing one another. You see it in the language. There's this, this wording over and over again, how they're telling each other what they value about one another, what they love in each other. And once again, so many times we think, oh, it all starts with physical attraction. Love is not just about sex, you guys. It's not just about a physical act. And so many times we try to build our relationships on that, on this physical act, on this idea of being sexually intimate with one another. We call it making love because we think, well, maybe that's all it is. But love goes so much deeper. And if you just try to build a relationship on physical attraction, it's going to crumble. And as you read this wording over and over again in the book of Song of Solomon, chapter after chapter, it's this companionship hey, you're my friend. We're, we're best friends. We want to spend time together. We want to be together. We enjoy being around one another. And that's what you see in this language, that there's this beautiful love that God has brought together in their life. And it goes beyond just some kind of physical attraction. They want to be there for one another. They want to spend time together and have that deep, meaningful relationship. Yeah, and I do think it's important that we acknowledge like physical attraction is is part of it. So we don't rule that out. We don't yeah. say ah, physical attraction is bad or sexuality is bad. But that wasn't the foundation for the relationship. The re- foundation was love. And when you go through this book, it and I've just we've been reviewing it for a little bit preparation for this message. It's such beautiful language that they're using and the way that they talk to one another. And now I'll clarify this because if you haven't ever read this book before, there's a lot of comparison to nature. And so I was reading, you know, and it's pretty obvious, they didn't have a lot of other imagery then. We have the television, we can create any image we want to on a screen, but they had nature. And so you see them comparing and using all of these images from nature. Now, again, I'm an English teacher, so I love this kind of stuff. But they're they're using all this imagery to describe one another and you see love not as a feeling but as an action like they love to be with one another there's companionship they dote on one another they when the girl's hanging out with her friends she's bragging on him and and just talking about how great he looks and how awesome he is and they affirm one another they encourage one another they call out the best in one another and this is the foundation of how we should be treating one another. Ladies, you should not be bashing your husband. Not to anybody. Not to a friend. Not to his face. You need to be speaking out words of life and faith over his life. Because whatever you speak out, the power of life and death is in the power of your tongue. And you bring things to pass by the things that you say over his life. So if you want what's best for him, speak out what's best for him. The Bible talks about faith being the essence of what is unseen. It's not there yet. So speak things of faith over him. Aaron is amazing. 
When we were young, we were young. You guys, we, he was 20 years old when we got married. We had no idea what we were doing. Um, and we've grown with each other. And we wouldn't be able to get to the amazing spot we are now if we hadn't have pushed through, if we hadn't have called out the best in one another. And that's what love does. Yeah. Love sees beyond just the surface, and it draws out the best in the other person. And that's what's so amazing about this long commitment love marriage relationship. Yeah. And we need to understand this as guys. Like, this is so vitally important because many times as guys, um, if you've been in a relationship, we're pursuing the girl, you guys, and we are great at this, right? Like chocolates and flowers and notes and all of these things. But then we get married and it, it's over, right? It's like we've shifted and the girl's like, who did I just marry? Who are you? Because it all stops at that point. We've conquered, right? Like, like we've won at this point. We've gotten the lady that we wanted. And we need to understand what we see in this book is, hey, there, there's this language that's amazing, okay? Guys, you're looking up for some pickup lines. It's right here in Song of Solomon. You're a beautiful gazelle. You're like a deer running through the field. You're like a palm tree. I don't know what Solomon was talking about. But, but there's some language here that meant something to them. And, and guys, we need to reflect that. That's what God does for us is he speaks into our life um, the beautiful things that are there. And we need to do that for the women that God has placed in our life. So you're doing that. You're telling that person, hey, you're beautiful. And it doesn't end on the wedding day, okay? I want you to write this down if you're a guy in the room, okay? You date your wife for your life, okay? You date your wife for your life, okay? It doesn't stop after the wedding day. You're dating for life, okay? And it continues on. You invest in this relationship. Who God has given you, you're pouring into it. It's gonna take time and investment if you want to make it successful. And so you need to take care of her. You need to verbally affirm her, just like we see in this, okay? You gotta continue to develop that. It's not once the wedding day's done, then I've won and it's kind of over. No, you grow that love. It continues to develop and that happens through what we say and we see that in Solomon's life. Yeah, and it's, I think it's really, it's really important to note that, you know, the marriage relationship is a reflection of, of God's relationship with us. And so that's how we're to love one another. The end goal is not that we make each other happy. If you got into marriage thinking it was going to make you happy, it won't last long, <laughs> I promise, because we fail one another. We just do. We're both broken human beings, and so there's only one person that can make us happy. We have to stay connected with him, and as we love one another, then our goal is just to keep encouraging each other to become more and more like the person God made us to be. Again, calling out that best in one another, that's what love is, and that's what we see in this first section of putting love first. And as we progress through the scripture, the next section uh, that we see in the next point brought up is respect the sex by following God's design, by following God's design. So if right down there on the page, uh, still in chapter two, verse seven, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Yep. And in this passage, Solomon and this maiden, this maiden that's talking at this point, they're um, alluding to this idea, there's a process that God has given us in love, okay? Don't awaken love before it's time. There's something that's happening, and they're talking about a physical love there that, that you not awaken that outside of God's design because it can actually cause issues. There can be a destructive nature in that. So they're saying, hey, don't be sexually active. Don't have sex out of God's design of how he's designed it to be. And I think of this. Some of you guys may remember this, but there was a commercial um, probably like late 80s, early 90s, and Heinz Ketchup, okay? 
they were holding on to the glass bottle. There wasn't the plastic squeeze bottle, okay? Some of you guys may just remember that. But there was this glass bottle, and this guy would set the bottle on top of the building. He would run all the way down the stairs, and by the time he got to the bottom, the ketchup would start to pour, okay? It took some time. And he would hold the hot dog, and the ketchup would pour very nicely on the hot dog, and then he'd start to eat it. And then the phrase, the best thing comes to those who wait, okay? And this idea that it took time to get the ketchup out of the bottle, but it was well worth the wait. And that's what scripture is talking about, that the best things come to those who wait. There's a design in God's order of what he said. And this maiden is saying that don't awaken love before it's time. You're going to miss out on God's best for your life in this. And then you go on in, in in Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. It says this a few verses down, catch the foxes for us. The little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He grazes among the lilies. So it's, again, distinct imagery that maybe none of us have ever, if you've ever been to a vineyard, anyone been to a vineyard before? Uh, So, you know, there's these long, long uh, rows of all these grapes. And so they would build these fences around to keep out foxes who would sneak around. And the foxes would just, they didn't have to climb up the vine. They just had to nibble at the bottom enough to cause enough harm to that plant and it'd kill the entire plant. And so it's the same in our relationship. That imagery is so powerful. What are the little foxes that are hurting your relationship? Because it's not big things. Affairs don't happen overnight, like all of a sudden. The big things that kill marriages are the little things. The little things in our daily lives that continue to sneak their way in. And, you know, I think sometimes it's because we think of boundaries as bad things. Like, like that if you have one something, it's great, but if you have something in an unlimited form, it's even better, right? I mean, two cookies are great, but 2,000 cookies is even better. Uh, but not necessarily. God knows and has placed boundaries in our lives for a reason because he knows how we're made. He crafted us with a specific purpose and a specific design. And so just like I tell my kid, hey, I promise you, enjoy the two cookies. It's better for you than if you eat the whole package and are sick to your stomach for the entire day. God has placed boundaries in our lives and in our relationships with a purpose because he wants what's best for us. So what are those little things around that you need to place around your marriage, around your relationships to make sure those relationships continue to thrive and stay healthy according to God's design? Yep. And, and part of God's design is he has saved sex for inside marriage. Just like you were saying, it, it's not as missing out. It's how God's best um, is brought about in our life. So sexual activity Um, sexual intercourse, those things, they're safe for marriage. That's how God has meant it to be inside of our life. Another thing that that is so detrimental in our culture is pornography. And this isn't just a guy issue. This is an everybody issue now. I mean, it's continuing to rise those percentages of both men and women that are struggling with this. And God has not meant you to look at people that are naked, that are disrobed, other than the spouse that he has given you in marriage, okay? That's God's design for your life. That is destructive. And here's part of its destructive nature is you're never told this, but when you're viewing pornography on a computer, on a screen or whatever, that's not real, you guys. That is some director. That's some actor. Those are two people who are engaging in something that was never meant to be seen by anyone else that was meant to be in marriage, but they're, they're doing retakes and there's cuts. It's Hollywood production, right? But you bring that as a realistic picture. No, this is what marriage should be like. This is what sex should be like, and it's not realistic. 
It can't be achieved because once again, it's a Hollywood production, but we're, bre- we're taking it in, we're sucking it in, we're buying it and saying, yes, this is what it should be like. It's not real and it's destroying marriages. It's destroying what God has meant sexuality to be in that good gift that God has given us. You put those boundaries in your life, your sexual life is more fulfilling with your spouse. You take those boundaries away and there's destruction and there is death there that will be brought into our life. Yeah, and I think for some of us, it's, it's not maybe necessarily um, that kind of pornography. It's something I call emotional porn. Um, and emotional porn is this. It's you're watching that amazing romantic comedy and that guy has crafted this perfect date and you're like on top of the highest tower and everything is perfect and you lean over and think, why the heck aren't you like that? Okay, that is what emotional porn does for us. It makes us think again that that is reality and it's not. And it makes us dissatisfied with what God has given to us. It's unfair for me to compare my real in the flesh spouse with an actor in a script that was created in false conditions, you guys. Um, And so when we do that, when we allow those things into our lives, it might seem innocent, it might seem crazy, but there's times in my life I don't watch romantic comedies. I don't. You know why? Because it makes me think he's not working hard enough or he doesn't love me enough. And that's not fair. It's not fair to try to compare what is real to what is fake. So you have to watch that stuff. You also have to watch the, the little things again, like what seems like harmless flirting with someone at your work or having a conversation with someone outside of your marriage about something that should only be talked about in your marriage. If he and I need to have a conversation... I do not need to have that conversation with somebody else. That doesn't matter if it's my sister. It doesn't matter if it's a friend. It doesn't matter if it's my mom. If he and I need to have a conversation, I'm having that conversation with him. That's respect. That's how I, uh, how I need to treat him. It's going to build up our relationship. And the other thing we need to discipline is our imaginations. I love my mentor. She talks a lot about this, and I honestly had never considered it like this. But she says, don't ever let your mind go where you don't want your feet to follow. You guys need to write that down because that is good. Say so that again. don't let your mind go go where you don't want your feet to follow. When Jesus says, hey, you've sinned if you looked at a woman lustfully, there's a reason he's saying that. It's not so you get a little slap on your wrist, bad, bad. It's because where your mind goes, your feet are going to follow. It does not matter. It will take time. It might be five years. It might be 10 years. But if you keep daydreaming about that guy at work or that actor on the screen, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you somewhere. It's going to make you unsatisfied with the person that is faithful and that is standing by your side right in front of you working hard. And so my, my thing is, hey, if, if I'm going to invest my mind into something, if I'm going to invest my thought life, it should be into my current reality. Because if I'm not investing into this reality, again, I'm investing into something that doesn't exist, and it's going to take away from my life. And you're not going to know. You're not going to know why all of a sudden you're dissatisfied, why you feel like your husband's not living up to his potential, and why all of a sudden you just don't feel like your life is what it turned out to be. It's a peer. It's what's happening in your imagination. Yep. And so many times, like, we hear these kinds of things, and we think, well, well, that's following God's design. That's no fun. Just as you mentioned, like, oh, we're limited. God's limiting what, we, what he wants us to experience. But, but God's design, it's meant to bring pleasure in our life. That's what it's meant for. And so many times we think, no, the world owns pleasure, right? Like, like it's out there that God is somehow some judge up there. He doesn't want us to have fun. He doesn't want us to experience what's good. But God's the one that gave us this, you guys. 
So God's the one that gave you your taste buds. You're going to go eat some amazing lunch somewhere. Okay, what you're going to taste, that delicious flavor, God gave you that ability. Your eyesight, when you see a sunrise or a sunset in all the beautiful colors, orange and purple and all of that, God wanted you to be able to see that, to experience that joy. God gave us our sexuality. He gave us sex inside the confines of marriage so we could experience that pleasure. When we experience outside of that, once again, it's destructive. But God's not withholding pleasure from you. He wants you to have it. He just wants it to be the best when you experience it. And I think of this quote by C.S. Lewis, and it says this, and I love it. It's just such a powerful reminder. It says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased, church. We are far too easily pleased. We're giving into these momentary things to what we feel like will bring momentary satisfaction. And it is, it's pleasure for a moment, but it brings death and destruction. When God says, hey, I have infinite joy. I have infinite pleasure for you. If you'll just follow my plan, it's gonna work out like I wanted. And you're gonna experience that great joy and that great pleasure that can only be found in me, that can only be found in my design and what I have for you. So don't have that mindset that God is somehow withholding. He doesn't want you to experience it. He just wants it to be the best when you receive it. Yeah, and I think it's really important too as we go today that, and, and honestly, again, I shared with you a little bit about my history. And when I was raised, we did not talk much about sex. So what we did, it was a bad thing, okay? And that's what I was trained to think, that sex was a bad thing because there was this fear ingrained with it. You just stay away from it. But that's not true. And as we leave, again, we're, we're reflections of Christ to the people around us. They need to hear the truth of what God has designed, that God is. He, he designed pleasure, and he wants us to enjoy the things in our life. And so when you talk about sex, when you talk, especially if you're a parent or if you, have, if you have children in your life, man, make sure they don't grow up thinking that sex is a bad thing. Okay, speak about it in a positive nature. Talk about it according to the word of God uh, because God is a good God and he does give good gifts to his children. Yep. In this book, as it starts to come to an end, it it's kind of ends where it started. And in Song of Solomon chapter 8, verse 6 and 7, some of the most powerful words that have ever been written about love, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death Jealousy is as fierce as the grave. It flashes, its flashes are the flash of fire and the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all of his wealth, it would be utterly despised. What are they saying? God has given us love. And this love that God has given us, it's this powerful thing that, that can't be stopped. It can't be ended. When love is lived out as God meant it to be, it's this powerful thing in our life that draws us closer together, that draws us closer to God, that is this eternal thing. And church, we need to stop trading in those temporary pleasures of, for what God has eternally for us. We need to stop trying to hold on to those momentary joy in our life or those fleeting, the sin really in our life. And we need to submit to God's plan, God's design for our life. Because he does want us to love. He has this beautiful picture of what that looks like in our life. And as we talked about this, I know this right here, church. I know this is what will happen. There are some of you that are sitting there that you're looking at pornography. 
There are people in this room and you've been flirting. Either you've gone too far already or, or maybe it's just started off as something small. You're flirting with someone. You're becoming emotionally involved with someone that you should not be. You're, you don't have those boundaries in your life. And the enemy, Satan, would come in this room right now and this is what he would say to you. God doesn't really love you. You've stepped outside of God's design, okay? You've missed it. You've messed up in the past. Maybe um, you've had sex outside of marriage. Maybe you have a kid or any of that. And the enemy would tell you, God doesn't love you anymore. You've messed up. And that's not the truth of God's word, church. I want you to hear me. That is not the truth of God's word. All of us are broken people. All of us, according to what Jesus said, we've had a lustful thought in our mind. All of us have fallen short of God's design and God's purpose. And all of us are desperately in need of God's grace over our life. The enemy may also tell you, okay, well, maybe God could forgive you, but you're no longer worthy of love. You're used goods, okay? You're a damaged product now, and no one's going to want you, and that is not the truth of God's word. For all of us, God has this desire that, that we would find someone, that God would bring someone in our life to encourage us and to strengthen us um, if that's his plan for your life, and that happens in marriage. It happens with someone that God gives us in our life. So it doesn't matter what your past is. God hasn't ruled you out. That doesn't rule you out for a successful, strong marriage in the future if that's what God has planned for your future. And so I want to pray for you this morning. And I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes. And we're going to pray a little bit differently than we typically do here at the end of service. But I just want to ask if there's anyone in the room and you were to say, Aaron, if I'm to be honest, I've been struggling maybe in small ways, maybe in large ways, but I have not been sticking to God's plan for my marriage. What you guys just talked about, what we just saw from God's word, I've been letting little things come in and I'm afraid that they may become larger things. It may be an addiction in your life and you're saying, Aaron, that's me. And if that's you with no one looking around, this is a private moment between you and God. Would you just quickly slip up your hand and then you can put it back down? I wanna spend a moment praying for you. Anyone at all, you're saying, man, I just need prayer. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you. Church, let's pray together. God, we come before you, Lord, and God, I have brokenness in my life as it comes to sexuality. God, Lord, we all bring that from our past, God. Things that we've seen, things that we've experienced, God, things that we've done that are outside of your design, God, and your plan for us is redemption and healing. And I pray for every person, God, that was honest enough to raise their hand, God, that this morning there would not be condemnation, God, they would not feel judgment, Lord, but they would accept your forgiveness, God, that this morning, God, the power of your spirit, God, the power of your love, that you're a God who pursues us, God, that this morning they would experience that love in their life. And God, that you would give them a brand new start, God, as it comes to sexuality. God, renew and restore brokenness in their mind, God. Things that they've seen and things that they've experienced, God. This morning, begin to rewrite that according to your word and your plans for their life. God, I'm believing that this morning. Give us a fresh start, God. Give us a brand new start, God. Let us live out your design for our life. We pray this in your name. Church, before we sneak out this morning, I want us to pray one other prayer. And that is we want to be a church that is a picture of strong marriages. And you may be here this morning with your spouse. And if you are, I'm going to ask that in a moment that you would pray with them. If they're away or if you're not married, I'm going to ask that you would take these next few moments, pray for your marriage. If you're married, uh, 
If you're not, man, pray that God would give us a picture of strong marriages. Pray that God would take what we've talked about today and this week he would give you the opportunity to speak to others and help them understand God's design for our life and how powerful that is. So let's take a moment and just pray for the marriages here in our church together. God, I thank you for Sarah, Lord. I thank you for the gift that she is in my life. Lord, the blessing, God, how she's strength to me in so many areas that I'm weak, God, and how I'm able, God, to be strength to her, God, and to help encourage her, Lord, in areas that she struggles in. God, I pray strength in our marriage, Lord. God, do not let the enemy come in, God, and bring anything that would try to destroy this marriage. God, protect us. Holy Spirit, guard us. God, convict us, Lord, if we're ever opening up the gates, God, to things that should not be allowed in. Lord, protect us by your spirit. God, help us to be an example to others. God, help us to speak the truth of your word to others, Lord, of what your design is for our relationships, God, for our sexual life. Lord, let us be a picture, God, of your truth, God, of the word of God and not allowing other things in there. God, do that for every single marriage in this room, God. Strengthen us, God, for every person here, Lord, God, that may not be married yet. God, bless their future. Bless their relationships, God. Bless our conversations, God, that it would be pictures of your grace, God, and your love, Lord, what you've designed us to do, God. I pray this together in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you once again. Can we put our hands together for Sarah for sharing this morning? Church, I just want, want to once again challenge you. There is not condemnation in Christ, okay? If you walk out this morning and the enemy starts telling you you're not worthy, just tell him it's a lie. God's word says that you are worthy, that he's restored us, that he's redeemed us, and that he has given us a brand new start, okay? And we want to accept that. And also this morning, I want to challenge you, allow God this week to speak through you, okay? There are so many people that we're surrounded by that need to hear the truth of God, God's word. And we want it to be truth seasoned with grace, but we want to allow God to speak through us so that other people can experience the freedom of God and the power of, of relationships as it comes to God's design. And so I want to challenge us. Let's do that as a church. Let's be um, a beacon of truth and light in a world that desperately needs that as it comes to this issue of sexuality. Don't forget the playlist. It's a way to keep what God spoke um, this week in front of you and allow it to challenge you. Guys, on Valentine's Day, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. If you're in a relationship, love and respect one another. And we will see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us this morning.